The Sports Career Podcast, episode 304, how to remove hate towards athletes on social media. Sports Achiever and thank you for tuning in to a bonus podcast and for me this had to be done because it's on a topic that is close to my heart because I don't know about you but I'm quite tired of how athletes in particular get treated after a big sporting event where they make a mistake and as a result they get abuse on social media. So before you listen to any more I have to do a disclaimer some of this podcast there is rude language, there are very powerful uh, examples with regards to the dark side of social media. And the reason why I'm sharing this with you because the only way we'll be able to move forward is to use education as a tool. Hopefully this podcast can be a tool to educate more people about really solving this problem. And the examples that are shared, particularly with their language, is with regards to a new social media platform called Striver, a social media platform that's going to eliminate any hate. So the examples we give, we have to give language for you to understand how it's regulated and how this is going to be a real game changer moving forward of our experiences on social media. So I just want to share that this podcast is explicit. Like, you know, for me, there is powerful rude language as examples and there's also some social media examples of like the really negative aspect of how social media can impact our lives. So there we go. I promise you you'll benefit listening to this, but I like to be real. And that's what this podcast has always been, not as a sports career resource, but actually as an education resource in general. But most importantly, each week, doesn't change anything. I like to bring somebody to the show who can support your sports career development, especially if you have an interest with regards to apps, technology, and even in working in the football industry. So on that note, I hope this podcast can serve you well moving forward. Now, getting back to today's podcast special guest is a returning guest to the show, Tim Chase. Tim is the founder of Striver, which is another alternative to social media a platform that inspires and rewards activity, but most importantly, removes hate. Also, he has partnered with his great friend, Gilberto Silva. Yes, the Arsenal legend. They have partnered together to make this happen. Also, Roberto Carlos is an investor too with his social media app too. So this app is driven towards change, particularly with regards to athletes not receiving any hate comments when they focus on their job being an elite athlete and not being judged on social media afterwards. So for that reason, it's such a pleasure to have Tim back on the show where he's going to share what he's currently doing at Striver, but also most importantly, we're going to have the hard conversation with regards to how to remove hate towards athletes on social media. Tim, it's such a joy to have you back on the podcast show. I really enjoyed our last conversation, which was all about 
the importance of like having that respect when working with athletes. And I know you do this even more now. And what I love about you and please re-listen to that podcast. I'll be in the show notes is your down to earthness. And, but first for any listeners who don't know you, could you just give a little snapshot of who you are and what you do? Yeah. Hey, great to be back. Uh, hopefully it's going to be a little bit calmer than the last one. Last one, I think I brought a lot of energy to the conversation, which, which probably needed to be sedated somewhat. So yeah, if you wanted to listen to the first episode, maybe, take a stiff drink with you and brace yourself for a rather rather an interesting journey of me talking really fast. So yeah, so Tim Chase, um, founder of the new social media platform Striver that's launching any minute now. Um, so it's basically a social media platform to remove hate uh, from, and do a lot of other cool things as well, which I'm sure we'll chat about in the next however long we talk for. Like Tim said, please listen to the last one because he goes through the whole journey because he wasn't in the sports industry right from the get-go. But just from when we last spoke, because and I think things have developed then, but you did have a thing called True Challenge, and I know it sort of yeah. led to Striver, but could you just paint the picture for that? Because the reason what that was unique was it was a closer connection between fans and their idols through the power of challenges. So could you just break that to the listener to then we can work forward to where you are now with Striver? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so True Challenge, I came up with the idea of True Challenge, basically watching my, my three-year-old son, who was nearly four, and all he wanted to do was watch videos on YouTube. Um, and I thought there must be a platform out there that could actually use the power of these influencers that we know from social media and, and YouTube um, to get him to do something constructive. So that was the kind of the, the, the eureka moment. Uh, and then fast forward that to us working, uh, building a platform that was, um, it kind of wanted to be a, a safest environment for people to go and engage with each other. Um, so you can take part in sporting challenges from the F2, Roma, and loads of other people that we had on the platform. And you could basically upload your video within their challenge page, if you like. But what we kind of felt, like we went on a journey during lockdown, as lots of people did. And we went, we went look, we're kind of toying at this. We just completed the project with the United Nations, which was huge. Um, and we thought, we, we're kind of toying at this a little bit. This raised a, a load of capital and really go for this. You know, we've, we've made some really good dents. We just haven't got enough staff and enough volume of content to really get this thing moving so let's do that so um we raised some capital and on that journey um we met lots of investment banks and things and the investment bank said to us the ceo said in a meeting said look tim i love what you do because we were going to have face recognition for, um the, plat- the plan for the new platform or true challenge was face recognition content is moderated so every piece of content is moderated before it's uploaded rather than retrospectively removing the possibility of hate and a few other things as well making it a really safe environment and the CEO of this investment bank said, why would you have all this functionality that the world is crying out for on from a social media platform? And why would you have that on just such a niche sports app, you know, where you can just take part in sports challenges? Why are we talking small niche things here? Why don't we talk about building a social platform that has all the features you're talking about? And I couldn't come up with a good answer why we shouldn't. I went, you know, you know we're absolutely right. So on that journey, we then had to come up with a new name because um, the true challenge didn't quite fit. Um, also got quite a lot of grief because it's my same as my initials. Um, so everyone thought it was m- me doing a humble brag that the t- this TC is in Tim Chase or True Challenge. Um, so yeah, so we've raised the capital now. Spent the last few months building the app out and some amazing functionality, getting clients on board, um, some of which I can say and some of which I can't. Um, but my partner is still Gilberto Silva, uh, World Cup winner and actually now godfather to my new newly born daughter who's nine weeks old yesterday. Um, my oldest son is devastated about this because he's nine and a massive football fan. And his, godf- his godfather is Matt Gray, who I went to school with, who I've known for about 40 years. And when he found out that Darcy had um, 
Jabari Silvers as, as her um, godfather. He said, what have I got funny Matt Gray and she's got bloody Gilberto Silva <laughs> as it was really kind of quite upset. I'm like, mate, I'm sorry about that. There's not much I can do about it. But Matt Gray, if you listen to this, we love you. And uh, Gilberto equally, we love you too, mate. So yeah, so um, kind of going off tact, which is, if you've heard to the first podcast, you can understand that's quite common. Um, so yes, that's what we do. So safe social platform. Um, yeah, and sort of pivoted to a safe social platform for general content, um, a general social platform that specialises in engagement um rather than just a sports niche app okay i've got to decode this a little bit a massive congratulations even when we got a whatsapp call you said oh there's this little fellow who we weren't in the first one yeah. wow um just going back I, I want to go through the true true challenge bit um reflecting now how important was doing that project can really help you to work because people who want to do startups people who they think you've got it all figured out and then actually like you said it's only when somebody else like this bank person actually drops the real real idea that has real impact because I, I want to decode this a touch because I'm curious of what skills you learned with True Challenge, which you've literally just m- modelled to Striver, but but it's not like you're reinventing the wheel. So I just love your biggest learning lessons of True Challenge, which have really supported you now. Yes, it's great. I think I really, really despise the phrase entrepreneur, but the more and more uh, people talk to me, unfortunately, that's why I am. Um, or prob- I prefer problem solver as my job title. Love that. I prefer it too. Is this relatable yeah. to the listener? But I yeah, love that. Exactly. Everyone's, everyone's, yeah. It used to be that everyone on Instagram was was uh, an influencer. Now they're all on, they're all entrepreneurs or cryptocurrency investors. So the, yeah, the journey. So when I came up with the idea of True Challenge, I was a tech headhunter. I've been a tech headhunter for fifteen years. Had my own businesses um, and recruited tech people and went wherever my sort of senior clients went. I built their development team for them or their IT department for them. Um, I was without blowing my own trumpet, was quite successful at it. It was going well. Um, I became a single dad. So my partner, uh, my wife and I separated and, and um, my son my son saw the impact of that. And I, he was three, as I say. So I kind of wanted to bring more to the world. You know, I just finished listening to a book, well, listening to an audio book called Legacy, which is the All Blacks. Um, it's an unbelievable book. Um, and one of the messages that stuck out for me was, leave the shirt in a better condition that you found it. So when you get your first cap for the All Blacks, you leave it in a better position. That shirt, that number 10 or number seven or number eight, you leave that shirt in a better place than when you picked it up. And that really resonated with me. I was like, and I was like, what, what am I bringing to this world other than getting other people jobs? My role is just basically moving money around. And it was having no self-fulfillment for me. Uh, and, and as having a father, being a father then, I was realizing that he was watching everything I did. Uh, and what we were taking on not only the lessons I was telling him, but watching my actions, how I interact with people, what I was doing, what was the uh, what was the reason for me doing things. And we came up with three things we always had: love, family, and having fun was the most important things in your life. Family and love being the most important. And I was like, well, I'm I'm not preaching. My job does nothing to do with that. We're all sh- no disrespect to anyone who's still in the recruit business, but you're kind of sharks. You don't. There's none of this camaraderie where. Um, like I've been just been at a, a conference, a tech conference speaking there. And everyone was, I was rushed off when I came on stage, I was rushed by people who were founders or parts of other, t- other companies that wanted to help, which is so the opposite from being in the recruitment industry where you're isolated and you can't really ask anyone for help because you're in competition with each other, right? So I knew nothing about tech, but I knew that what I wanted to do, I didn't have, I could just about use a phone, email, sending emails with that. And I thought social media was just a big waste of time. Um, and the more I learned about what I wanted to do with what we now call Striver, 
uh, Norton that what we used to call uh, True Channels, and the first few products, I learned as I went. So I basically went, I want to do this. And that was a driver enough to learn every minute of every day about tech so I could go into meetings and con- converse with people that were experts in social media for these big organizations and give them a product they were interested in. And there's been constant move journeys within that. So our first call was with was actually with the All Blacks. But this beautiful product, and we thought my first pitch for True Challenge was with the All Blacks. It was like 11 o'clock at night because of the time difference. And we built functionality and we, we couldn't, think about how we could generate revenue from it so we thought well we'll just charge people to post and we charge will be 10 grand for a challenge you get the data and the marketing from it um and the call the all blacks said that they love the platform um and everything was fantastic but why would they spend ten thousand pounds on one piece of content when they can use youtube for free which already has the audience i was like don't want to swear yeah fuck Um, (laughs) might as well be real because this is what we're here for right it's real real life so carry on yeah, so, so I was like, fuck, that's the business down the drain. What on earth are we going to be doing to generate revenue? You know, it, was all, it was all great having a problem that solves my son being bored um, and me wanting to have an ego boost of saying I'm changing the world. It's not business. It's not business. So I was like, fuck, what are we going to do now? And then fortunately, I came up with a couple of other ideas that actually when we went to pitch to another company again. They were like, this is absolutely fantastic. So we, needed to, we realized we needed it to be a free-to-use platform for users and then for post content. There's additional features that you can use on the old platform and the new platform, but it had to be free to use because we're in competition with, not competition because we use different different stuff, but we're fighting for the audience of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, um, YouTube, and, you know, and they've got a considerably larger budget uh, than we have. Um, so it's all about, I think that being an entrepreneur is not being scared of the challenges and know the challenges are coming, or problem solver, there we go. Being a problem solver of a business, you kind of need to know that problems are coming. You won't foresee them. You know they're coming. You just got to be calm in the fact. I run it pleasing me saying calm. Be calm in the fact that you that you you will have the skills to do it because you know until you've gone through a problem, you no one knows how to fix a problem. They've done it. They've done it. Someone in the world will have fixed that problem. Um, and just going com- be confident in your own confidence and your own ability, but also know what what your strengths are. Hundred percent. I'm going to go deeper because it, it relates to the first one. If people listen, but with your relationship with Gilberto, how is that strengthened now that you're solving a more bigger problem than challenges? Because the one that for me was a great challenge was that, and we'll mention him briefly because he's involved. But that Roberto Carlos free kick that just went massive, and that probably was a big win of the engagement. But I'm just curious from where Striver is now because you're hitting more of a social problem. How has that strengthened your business relationship? I know now he's a good father, but I'm saying, how has it made things stronger as an organization that you really want to tackle this big issue? It's huge, this issue. We're going to talk in more detail, but this hate situation is massive. And I'm just curious of, before we talk on to that, with your business relationship, how has it really developed? Even behind the scenes, you didn't realize because everybody, we look at business plans processes but i'm just curious on this side how has that strengthened um as well yes well that's that strength i think before not just gilberta but my investors didn't couldn't really see my vision because i was inexperienced in it as i say i had no experience of, of run companies but as recruitment businesses i've never been um pioneering a new platform again i'm using these very grand words for somebody yes. sitting in an office um so i think they people just got excited with my excitement and they trusted, they didn't understand where I was going, but they trusted me as an individual that I'll just get it done. I think now we have a clear 
idea, everybody in the business has a clear idea about what we're trying to achieve and how we're trying to achieve it. I think it's made, made me mature. This process has matured me as a human being 100%, but as a, uh, as a problem solver or a leader for the business, actually, it's not just going to be stuck in my head. If I know what I'm doing, that's, that's good. Now we've got a bigger team. I need to be able to communicate that effectively to the team and get them all on board with what we're doing. Okay, this is sort of like a question, how long's a piece of string? But with that maturity yeah. and clarity that everybody's on board, roughly how long? Six months, a year? I'm just I'm just pure, curious. What, so they became on board? Yeah, so that everybody's on the same hymn sheet, then just your enthusiasm. Because I think that's a lot with great ideas, but I'm just curious of how long, roughly. Well, I have to, well going into a bit more deep, so I've, um, Andy knows mental health is a particular yeah. passion of mine, having two friends committing suicide and a real advocate for it. Um, I, started seeing, I started seeing a therapist six weeks ago because I was just struggling with things, having a new baby in the house. Um, when I was working on True, True Challenge and Striver, I didn't get paid for nearly 18 months, stress of all that sort of stuff, and then the new bit platform coming out. So I was just not coping with life and bringing in the energy that I had um, for fighting for my business, for getting my kids ready for school. And it was just, I was just too intense and too excitable. Um, so part of that journey, we found out I've actually got ADHD. So, which sums up, which the why I'm saying with this is you've almost got to have that intensity of doing a thousand things at once when you start up because the buck stops with you. And if you're passionate enough, you've got to get that done. And that's your mindset is almost having or wanting to have ADHD so you can clear that off. Now we've gone to the next stage of the business, which is right. Now we need to be effective communicators, all, all, all of us, not just me. But it needs to start with me and I need to make sure that everyone's on top of that. And I, it was a real quick change. It was maybe a week before changing to everybody got on board because my messaging was clearer just because I didn't stuck in my head. I needed to tell the team, this is what my vision is or should this be, I'm very much a collaborative, um, very much a collaborative company. I'm saying that this is my vision. And I, and I start, I start every meeting prepared to, I'm happy prepared to shoot me down. Tell me my ideas are shit, but let's talk about them. And the fact that hopefully the, my shit idea will be the catalyst for a half decent one. So the the, mesh, the communication throughout the business improved, starting with me. Um, and that's how everybody get on board most. And I think everyone now is just really excited. And Gilberto being a, a football legend and a black footballer and having uh, friends like Thierry Henry that removed himself from social media and Fred from United, who we see the abuse he gets because Fred's um, one of Gilberto's clients. He's, and having children as well, he's just passionate about this project. We're going to talk more on the project side, but... I want to highlight the first step because you're talking about the second step of communicating your message well, but the, really the first step, which I think it's a pillar of career development, is that self-awareness. How vital is that reflecting on your own personal development? I know you've just said it, but as a theme, yeah. how big is um, that self-awareness in general? I'm not sure if self-awareness is the phrase I would use. I'd be that, that, that voice inside your head, that, that sounds a little bit crazy, yeah, but your internal voice, how you communicate with yourself, how you talk to yourself yeah. needs to be better. Mm-hmm. So rather than waking up saying you're useless, you're fat, you need to lose weight, which is all the things I do say to myself. Um, you but it's need... negative self-talk. In the sports world, it's called self-talk. Yeah. See, yeah, absolutely right. So making sure that voice is positive and saying, look, you've got this. And like I said earlier, you've got ways you can overcome these problems when they arise. Just be confident with them. But I would say... Um, what was I going to say? It wasn't the self-awareness that I would use. I would say, be honest with yourself. And just go, look, how much do you want this? Like, it's taking my journey so far, and I'm far from making it, but I've, the sacrifices I made, like my kids didn't get Christmas presents for two years from me. My, my partner didn't get Christmas presents. Didn't get paid for 18 months. You know, I had to drill down 
uh, and really sacrificed. And you know, there's been some tears from my parents, my partner's parents, my, me. Um, you know, we've, there's not just me that sacrificed. There's been a whole family that sacrificed, and uh, the, the support and the belief behind them was something that I can't even describe how how good that makes you feel to know that even though you feel shit about yourself because you're not doing what you think, you can't buy your kids birthday and Christmas presents. There's a team of people behind you that do believe in you. And I think also knowing what you're good at, like I'm good at things like this talking. I'm all, partly now we understand now why I'm good at talking and shit at organization is because of the ADHD. But if there's like spreadsheets, if I go build a spreadsheet, it's going to be two hours of my time that I'm wasted because it'll be shit. I'll get pissed off with it and I'll annoy everybody in the office telling me how shit Excel spreadsheets are. But and I saw a quote from Mike Tyson saying, the way you become a champion is doing things that you don't like to do, but doing them like you love them. So even if it's got a shit task to do, and a task you don't want to do it, you do it as a task that you love. 100%. And just touching on to the mental health, because it's so related to the bigger question, which I can't wait to literally decode a bit, because it's it's part of the passion. But I know you mentioned you lost two uh, friends, you said, due to um, committing suicide. How did that change the way you work, that actual mental health influence your purpose working in the sports industry? Because people, you know me, I like to be real on this podcast. I want to work in sport because I want to work for a football team or work with Gilberto Silva. It's that buzz. It's a privilege without a doubt. And and I get excited because it means we're doing stuff that some people never experience, but we're part of it. But how has mental health been a real pillar of your purpose showing up? Which is a bit clear, but I want you to share that actually this is why you wake up in the morning to a point to make a difference. So, yes, we know how damaging social media is. And I think definitely losing two friends um, who are family men my age, went to school with them, um, and leaving what, what they had left behind in terms of their families was devastating. Not It was really upsetting, sorry. So that was definitely made me aware of the, social, of the mental health state of, in, in the world at the moment, of not just men, but everybody. Everybody's struggling, you don't know um but actually then realized then doing the research knowing how catastrophic social media is for mental health and you can have stats like suicide in young women is up 181 percent um suicide for men's is, is the biggest suicide in men is the biggest killer for our age group um 45 of children by the time they're 12 have experienced cyberbullying you can go on and on and on you're like well why on earth would i let my children on this platform that damages everything there's almost if you write the pros and the cons for social media, the cons would far outweigh the pros. And the pros are so sexy and ingrained in us that we can't get away from them. So we can't turn off social media, be crazy to go, everyone bans every social media platform in the world. But let's try and make it just a little bit better, gradually, incrementally, small changes. And just on that note, we'll go straight to the main question. And we've touched on it slightly, but I want to really hit home this message because it's been a huge issue. I'm going to mention the men's Euros because we're both English. We're both proud, you know, enjoy sports. But that penalty shootout was a perfect example when, you know, at the end of the day, three players who had who came off the bench and we end up losing it. But it was like everything was put pressure on Sacco at the end. And I'm going to go to the question now, but I'm giving that as a case study because for me, it was just ridiculous what was going on the next 48 hours of the uh, the abuse. And I don't need to state the tweets. They're out there for people to research. And I think people have prosecuted, don't they? So they they are. want to go into jail. Yeah. Exactly. But it was just it was just ridiculous. And bearing in mind, he's, he was 21, 22, you know, really young man or adult. It was just ridiculous. But the question is, 
how to remove hate towards athletes on social media. Like we can talk about children later, but let's stick to this one because it's been consistent for tar- far too long. How, wh- wh- I know we've talked about Striver, but in your point of view of the work you've been doing, where are the little baby steps in general before we talk about Striver as a social media platform? Yeah, so first talking about the soccer thing and the, the World Cup and the Euros, it's, it's such a shame that that was the way to enter because we're such, the country had really come together Everyone was singing Three Lions and there was parties. Sweet Caroline. Time, barbecues. Sweet Caroline. My son still sings that to this day. Knows every single word. And it just, it should have been, we came so close. We, did, we should have been better. But social media gave the ability to be able to racially abuse these poor guys that stood up in front of it. I mean, I can't even imagine standing up, even standing on the pitch when that, with that sort of pressure of the whole nation behind you and millions of people watching around the world. I wouldn't even be able to put the ball down on the spot. I'd be shaking too much, let alone these young men that went, that stood up and wanted to take, wanted to try and win it for us. And to be shot down like you were, especially, you know, it's, it's just, it was just, it left such a bad taste in the mouth, which should have been such a positive reinforcement for it. It really, really should have been. It was so, almost, made, made, I think, made people angry rather than upset. It was like pissed off rather than being upset. Um, so, yeah, so I think the firstly, I mean, I, I'm far from an expert on anti-racist abuse, so I can't speak on that. But personally, I think it starts with education, you know, telling your kids about stuff. So I think nobody's born a racist. It's learned, right? And it's about your environment. Um, and I had an interesting thing. So my, we were working with Fred, and it, it was a few years, a couple of years ago. Now, I'm not sure if it was just before or just after the pandemic, but he was uh, racially abused by a Man City fan the monkey sign behind him as he was about to take a throne or a corner and Fred didn't even know anything about it he didn't know um, but they talking about it and my big thing I do with my oldest son is we watch match of the day together on sometimes in the evening depending what time it's on and what time of Chelsea are playing um, or sometimes in the morning and they were talking about it and he was six at the time so maybe seven at the time and I kind of paused it and I had a real thing to myself and when I told him to go and brush his teeth um, I was like do I, do I just Fast forward, so you don't talk about this racist bit because it's going to be an awkward conversation. Or do we actually use football, the game that he loves? And Fred, he's spoken to Fred, so he's not like mates with him, but he's got a relationship with him. Can I not use this relationship to really bring it home that, hey, this is a famous footballer, but it's also a human? And explain what racism is all about. And I went, do you know what? Now's a good teach- as good a teaching moment as possible. Let's have to start these conversations early. And I, told, I basically was honest with him. I said, look, did you see what that meant behind him? And explained what the, the, the gist, or well, I can't think of a better word, what the meaning behind that monkey sign, why that guy was doing it. It's because they got different colour skin to us. Uh, and asked him his thoughts. He went, well, it's just, it's just skin. It's more bones underneath anyway. It doesn't really matter if someone's dark skin. I was like, exactly, exactly. We had a real decent conversation about um, what racism is, why it's totally unacceptable. But I think because he's... A, not brought up in a, with racism around him. He was like, yeah, it's obvious, Dad. You know, it's not a teaching moment. It's obvious. Of course you don't, I mean, racially, you don't racially abuse people. You don't say mean things to people just because their skin's a different colour or they're a different sex um, or, or whatever. You know, so of course you don't do that. Quality yeah, or background. Exactly. Yeah. So of course you don't make fun exactly. of them and say awful, disgusting things to them. That, that's a prime example. I think if more people had those type of conversations, frank and honest, and I think that's one of the good things about my relationship with my son is that he can ask me anything, and, and I'll be honest with him to a point. Obviously, he's only nine, so there's some things that I can't say, but he knows that I'm being honest, and, and I can tell him as much as I can about it. And I think it's important that we learn 
we, we, we teach that message through this just totally unacceptable. Like you said, whether it's um, the quality or quality as a whole, not just race. Like just on the social media side, like I'm not going to mention your na- age or my age, but you've got to realize like 30 years ago or 40 years, there was nothing called social media. So how are you finding it as a father with this big animal, meaning social media, because it's a bit of a free for all at the moment with, and I'm all about everybody has their place to share great content, inspire people, educate, and even share their opinion when it's worded correctly in a professional, respectful manner. But do it quickly as a parent, how do you challenge that? Cause I think this is part of what strive is about anyway, but as you as a father, how do you cope with this barrier? Cause it can be. Yeah. Well, do you know what? It's a bigger story to have than that. So, um, I'm obviously make sure that he doesn't, he's not on his phone looking at social media by himself. Um, and I'm just honest about him. I said, look, there's people on social, on, on TikTok is the one he likes to look at. There's TikTok that will they'll say horrible things to you and try to send you stuff that you don't want to see, some disgusting stuff. And again, being honest as I possibly can, I don't want to scare him, but I want to make him aware. And half these conversations, he actually some, he deleted the TikTok app. It's like, Dad, I don't really need to speak. I've got my friends and I've got you lot around here. I don't really need to see stuff. He just wants to consume the content. Um, and I've got a, a really close friend of mine who's, um, I won't mention any names, I'll be as discreet as possible, but his child was suffering for a long time with stomach problems. And they found out that they that his child had done a TikTok challenge and swallowed 18 magnets or damaged their bowel and all sorts of other stuff. So and they were great parents and they had their, um, their kids' phone on lockdown um, that couldn't look at any dodgy content or anything, but still managed to see this. They're, they're, sorry, they are fit and healthy now. You know how to respond, except this is where I'm trying to hit the dark side a little bit. And before we go about the app as well, because I think this is important, you mentioned it already with Fred, but in the first podcast, you, you shared a really great story of like how athletes, you know, when they're out in a restaurant, coffee, like people wait to then, should I go and speak to him? Like there's one in the restaurant, it, a guy wait five minutes to tap Gilberto's you know, shoulder for a picture. They're so used to that. We're not, we're, we're just ourselves, but we don't have this um, th- this responsibility of what we've done in sport. I want to flip it the other way with regards to Saka a little bit, but like we're not even mindful that the abuse athletes go through and we don't even experience it ourselves. So I'm just w- wondering, I know he isn't here on the call, but with Gilberto, would you mind sharing the sort of conversation you have of like, yes, people with great fans, but also there's the other side of the coin where he has to cope. We has to filter all this negativity if it is abuse, but at the end of the day, he's a human being, but I'm just trying to share to the listeners that there's two sides an athlete. Even after they've done their sport, they are still great fans to people's eyes, but the abuse side isn't talked enough about of their feelings, if that makes sense or how they show up to the world. Sorry to, I know it's a bit long-winded question, but I hope you get what I'm trying to say. I don't think they do. And I think that's the problem. I think they have to do social media because they're contractually obliged and they know there's a big revenue generated from them. Um, and I think they kind of feel like they have to, really. Um, it's a necessary evil almost. Um, but it's not just them. So we work with a footballer um, and I've got DMs that his wife was getting when he did a bad back pass that led him to go and score a goal about and it was page after page after page racist slurs and he's going to kill him and he's going to kill their child um and you're like this is his wife she's not even at the game neither the kid why do you need to take it to that level i think it's almost social media has become a place where people almost is a badge of honor saying look how outrageous the thing i've just posted to 
Gilberto Silva's account or Thierry Henry's account, and then they screen grab it and send it to all their mates, and all their mates then chat about it on WhatsApp saying, I can't believe you said that. I think it's almost become a badge of honour to some people now, saying what's the rudest they could possibly be. To get the eyeballs. To get the eyeballs, to get attention for anything, you know, and I think, I don't know if you've, the parenting, you can give them, you give your kid attention when, and shout them when they've been told off, or you can be give them attention when they've been good and give positive attention. And it's probably the kids that had negative attention when they were a kid, always being shouted at for doing something wrong rather than being congratulated for doing something they've done well. That's probably not probably not a bad assumption to make. That the youths are getting bad attention. And some people just think any attention is good attention, whether it's telling me to F off or that I'm outrageous. At least I'm getting people talking to me because we all know what it's like. You can have a small following on, on Twitter and you post something and nobody likes it or on any social platform. And if there's nothing worse than you posting something that you love and again, nothing, there's not nothing worse. It's bad. It's a bad feeling when you post something that you really like on social media and nobody looks at it, nobody likes it, nobody comments on it. So you just go, do you know what? What I'm just going to do is be absolutely vile to people. And then, because I don't want to go through this whole rabbit hole, but they're, should we say these influencers, let's say business mentors I follow, they keep saying, well, actually you need the hate comments. I'm going, well, I really not. I wouldn't really want that because I'd rather just be positive. Of course, I, I have people's feedback. That's a totally different bracket. Feedback to being hate is two different points of view. Um, but yeah, it's it is a, such a conundrum. But it also depends you as a person, isn't it? And how how close it is to your heart. So I know Javoso on social media doesn't really get it because he's not playing anymore. Uh, most of his interactions are really positive. There's a couple of slight negative ones, but not very much. Um, but he's. He just lets it, he just goes, oh, I'm just not bothered by it, mate. Because I spoke to him after Fred was abused and said, like, how's Fred? Um, and he said, yeah, he's fine. Doesn't, things are such, they're, such, they're such idiots. And what's the point of giving them light of day? But then you've got the other mindset. Well, actually, there are these people around. I should be using my voice to stand up so this doesn't happen to other people who can't cope with it as well mm-hmm. as I can. And touching on that, I want to hit, hit home now because we got on a WhatsApp call a couple of days ago and went, look, we've got to do a podcast on this topic um, straight away. So... You've mentioned it briefly, but just to hit home the message, like what is Striver in a nutshell? Yeah, so Striver is an alternative to a social media platform. So it encourages participation, encourages um, activity in the real world. It's impossible to hate on it, so you can't get any racist abuse or any kind of abuse. Um, and yes, trying to just trying to create a bit of a cultural change that maybe can spark off a bigger cultural change and us all communicating with each other a little bit better. So on that note, because I bet you've got this question a lot, but how do you monitor the hate? Like my, my question is with that, what's the difference between somebody's giving some, as I say, great feedback or an opinion on a certain topic than pure hate? Like how do you define hate from an app perspective? Yeah. So from my point of view, all um, so we are going to have face, face verification. So to join the platform, you have to scan your face and verify who you are. That won't be available on the first platform because it's tougher than we thought, being honest. But what we do is we moderate every comment and every every single piece of content that goes onto the platform. Um, and what where we're different is we're all about engagement. Because the platform has no abuse, the stars and the clubs don't post and go to they post something and then don't look at the responses because they know it's nine times out of ten going to be negative. Everyone on there won't it will be impossible to have any abusive comments on this. So everyone is going to be thoughtful fans of yours. Because why would you join a platform, give a scan who you are, only to hate someone? And in fact, our AI won't allow you to do it anyway. So you're a lot more likely, you're more likely to get engagement from a Saka, a Rashford, a Gilberto Silva, because it's about connecting with people. They players genuinely want to hear from the fans, the positive fans. But unfortunately, all the attention they get, the attention, the only only attention the players give is the fans they're being rude. 
imagine that um, Marcus Rashford posts a pitch, uh, posts a comment, posts a piece of content. It's either a comment, a, a conversation piece, so you can respond to him, or it's a physical challenge. With one touch of a button, you can get involved and, and um, take part in his challenge or join his conversation, and then people can then share your content in there. So he, your your heroes will share your content within the app. So you could have Marcus Rashford. You could end up on Man United's um, feed. Um, so it's all about integration and giving fans a voice and exposure. So how is it done? So every piece, every main challenge um, or every response and every response is moderated before it's uploaded. Loaded. So rather than the existing social platforms where you post something, then they retrospectively look for it and delete it, um, we actually do it before it's allowed onto the platform. And what we do is we don't look initially because, let's be honest, if we say we're launching... With, uh, with Roberto Carlos, who's shareholder in the business, and Gilberto Silva, you're going to get Barcelona fans trying to break the platform. You're going to get Spurs fans trying to break the platform, right? So we need to lock it down totally so there's no ability to use any abusive language or swear words whatsoever. So it's totally locked down. However, on the new version of the platform, depending on who you are and what you want to do, you can, you'll have the other slide to see how much, how much rude language you want. So obviously the C word is at one extreme and the S word is at the other. You can slide it along and say, I'll allow two Fs or a C or whatever in there. So you can allow rude language on there, but still not abusive. Because you could say, that's a fucking great shot, mate, which is being positive. That's fucking unbelievable. Or you're, or you're fucking shit. This is probably the most rudest podcast I've ever been on. I don't know why it's got this, this level. No, but this is real. We need the level. It will be explicit, but it, it's it, it's if we didn't have that, yeah. it's pointless to do this podcast because I'm trying to keep it as real yeah. To the listener, so Cap, don't be worried. Not the C word. That's oh no, 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 I won't say the C word. My, my <laughs> mum would be outraged if I used the C word uh, ever, let alone let alone on a podcast. So we don't look at isolated words like F's, S's. I don't know why I'm saying them now. It's a bit too late. It's like shutting the door after the horse is bolted. Um, so we look for phrases. So that's fucking great. We would allow. That's fucking shit. We wouldn't allow, depending on the person's. Presenting on the person's content you're posted responding to, so it's very different. So with that subtlety, um, that's what, where we feel we can get away with it. And plus, we'd rather have because you can you can uh, ask us and say, "Look, this should have gone through. Why hasn't it gone through?" And we go, "You know, mix up in the AI. We we can tell you understand your what it is." And I think the big important thing is that what's the sentiment behind the message or the comment or the response. If the sentiment comes from a bad place. It doesn't really matter what the language is. Yeah. It's how it's been because... used in tonality from a written standpoint. Because it's all written comments, right? It's not audio message. It's not video. No, audio as well. Oh, audio as well. Wow. Audio as well, yeah. So what it does is, so, there, so there's two types of, basically, we can drill it down to two types of content that come on the platform. One is uh, a physical challenge or something, a video, or where there's something going on, on the screen that you, that you can comment on or copy. And in that scenario, when we need to know what's going on in the background in terms of the wording, the phrases being used, but it's more important to know what's going on in the screen and the video. So I think it's every point three of a second when the, the, the moderation process is, you go to the app, you choose a video you want to upload, you get all the, all the form done to, or what, all the comments and the title and everything to post, all really simple and very similar to other platforms. When you press send, it says your voice has gone off, your video has gone off for moderation, but it allows you to go around the site to doing other things. And what it does is it takes... 0.3 of a second, every 0.3 of a second snapshot of your video and then moderates it and, and scans and sees any, any nipples, any penises, any yeah, drug taking, any violence, all that sort of stuff. And from those 
screenshots almost we can say whether to allow it in or, or not oh, yeah through the ai um, and yeah through the ai and then with the conversation piece which is um arsenal saying what do you think of the first 10 games of the season and all the arsenal fans responding to it it's less what's going on in the screen and more that what's going on in the audio so in that scenario we take the audio off off the video and we scan the audio um uh, for any key phrases and things. Yeah. It did lead us to an interesting conversation or we're having an interesting conversation in Spurs. Excuse me, I have a drink. Yeah, no, no, carry on. So there's um, a word that is used to abuse Spurs fans, but also the word that they use themselves it begins with Y. Can I say it? Because it's quite important. Yid. Fine with me. Yeah, so it's, exactly. So they call themselves, some. sorry, some fans of Tottenham call themselves it. Uh, and I would imagine there's probably an equally amount that are uh, offended by it. And it led us to a really interesting conversation, which we're having now with Spurs, saying, what do we do about it? Because there's some group of fans that that's what they call themselves. And there's other groups of fans that actually think it's extremely derogatory. And there's also, I guess, another group of fans that would say, that would just say it just to wind up the Spurs fans and use it as a, in a derogatory term. So it's an interesting conversation from a technical point of view. How do we allow it for the people that want to use it, but stop it being seen by the people that don't want to see it? And they're offended by it, or do we just take it out because it's an offensive term? I would say it's the simplest one, isn't it? right? Let's be. But it's not simplest. It's not. It's not simplest. Isn't always the right. No, the rightest. True. Good English, isn't it? Mm. Simplest isn't always the right way. So you've got to be as. Uh, um, you can't be all things to all people, but you need to have. We want. That's why we're called striver. We want to have the, the best morals of doing things with clear intentions, not just financial gain. That's why we're having this conversation. I'm glad we're using these words because. I'm going back to my, gosh, I feel old now, but like 10 years ago doing research topics with bands. And, you know, well, that's why I knew the word before we, we, I said it. You know, it's how it's perceived and how it's used to that type of community or group. It gets down to sentiment, isn't it? So I want to pivot this because what I love about the app as well is the mental health angle. So we talked about, just given to the listeners, we talked about the nitty gritty you know, using the platform and abuse, getting rid of this abuse. I want to now pivot to the other side, which I think is just a great app to have whilst being on social media, like on an app, is the mental health angle. Like, could you just share this angle, uh, uh, particularly with regards to the power of kudos against likes um, as well? So giving you the mic on this. <laughs> cool. Um, so there's a few questions in there. So I'll start with kudos and work my way back. And you can remind me as I finish each one. So we've worked with uh, a guy called Professor Paul Dolan, who's one of the leading people of uh, behavioural science in the country. Um, he's got a podcast called Duck or Goose, I think it is. No, Duck or Rabbit. Duck or Rabbit. You know, there's that picture, which is depending on how you look at it, it looks like a oh, duck. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, yeah. So, I do know exactly what you mean. So he's See got them. a podcast. Yeah, so he's got a podcast called that. So check that out. Um, and... We worked with him quite closely because we obviously I come up with some ideas from a tech point of view or from a fan engagement point of view, but we needed someone with some legitimate experience and some credentials to sort of check the platform. So we've been working with him and a couple of other psychologists, eating disorder specialists, to make sure that we're not building another platform that's going to damage people's mental health and actually try and lift it up a little bit. So there's lots of things we're doing, but to, in order for us to launch a successful platform, it needs to have a certain amount of familiarity to it. So if we went in there with a new platform, new functionality, new metrics, everything was brand new, it would be tough to make that successful because, as we know, every single social platform is all about likes, views and followers. Essentially, that's what's important. And as a matter of TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, essentially, those are the metrics that are important to you if you're on it. 
It's just how those are displayed. So we're trying to change that to the important metrics. So the metrics that are important with us, one is kudos. And we've switched out our like, we've taken the like functionality and basically supercharged it. So we're removing the word like because it's such an arbitrary term. Like, I like the way you look in that bikini. I like the way you, how you dance. I like that free kick. We wanted to give it a bit more power, that word a bit more power. So we've come up with kudos. And if you look at the definition of kudos, kudos means reward for achievement. So already, as soon as you get a kudos, someone likes your video, you get a notification, you already feel, I've achieved something. It's reward or recognizing achievement. And then how we supercharge, not just renaming it, how we supercharge it. So you earn kudos, which then takes you through different levels, which will then open up different functionality to the platform for you. So the way you earn other kudos is you get 10 kudos for taking part in somebody else's challenge and you get five kudos for starting your own. So the bias there is we want to be an engaging platform where you can personalize each other's content, not just a platform out there. You just post content out and don't listen to it. So we've actually removed one of the top four Premier League play, play teams from working with us because they just wanted to post the ghost. And we we're like, love you guys, but we're, it's not, we're not going to be working with you until you can embrace what this is all about you know this is giving the fan truly giving something back to the fans and then the plan is to pull that those kudos that you keep hold of so it's not like likes and other platforms where they once you've come through on your photo or your video they've gone you keep hold of those and they end up um, obviously con contribute to your leveling up but also become a currency within the platform and our plan is to build a safe metaverse because i didn't realize until a couple of months ago that the metaverse is totally unpolice so my nine-year-old can pick up a headset vr headset and end up in some god-awful room where there's who knows what's going on and when questioned i was at the conference when questioned they said parents it's the parents responsibility to police this and we all know how sneaky kids are so the metaverse will be completely unmoderated and unpoliced which terrifies me um so we'll build our own metaverse and within that metaverse kudos will become a currency so if you want the latest jordans the latest manu shirt the latest england shirt you buy those skins on the platform with your kudos you can't buy kudos, unlike Fortnite and FIFA, where you can buy the tokens to buy the new stuff. Real-world activity earns you kudos that you spend in the metaverse. Right, I'm going to go deep on this point. In regards to content creators, this is like such a win-win because you said earlier everything's about fighting attention, but this, if the more you put in, the more you get out mentality. So could you just talk about the content creator of the benefits? Um, because you've just highlighted it, but for me, this excites me because it means... I can add value to an audience, educate them, but but I know I'm getting rewarded as a content creator. Yeah, so there's loads of things we're going to be we're doing in that matter. So it means that it takes the pressure for content creation. So I think, roughly speaking, I think they say, or well, they certainly used to say that you need to post every single day on Instagram to make a difference. The same with Facebook and Twitter, you need to tweet four times a day to make an impression and, and grow your audience. It's a lot of work. With us, we're absolutely the opposite. Post once a week with us, and then the time between your two posts, you share your fan content, and you do that with one button. So secretly between us and whoever's listening, we have a functionality called feature. So let's say Arsenal post a conversation saying, what do you think of our new ma our manager and our team for the first 15 games of the season? Fans can respond to that conversation started by Arsenal. Um, because there's no abuse, it's all going to be thoughtful, interesting com com comments coming back to that and, and responses from a video point of view.
So let's say that I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan. I go, do you know what? I think it's the first team back that resembles the Invincibles, the new signings, especially Jesus leading from the front has been fantastic. I also think that the um, Amazon show was a moment of genius because it's really put how passionate Mikel Arteta is and the fans now love him. And the, the big decision he took for removing Obamio for the team is impressive. And do something like a response like that, thoughtful uh, and kind of provoking, but in a positive way. Arsenal would obviously get thousands of responses, but that video, they can say you would get, and they can feature it. So press one button, one button called feature, which is on the feed, on the video. Press that one button called feature. I get a notification saying, Tim, you've just been featured by Arsenal. What does that mean? <laughs> Click on the notification and see my video in Arsenal's feed. I go, oh my God, this is unbelievable. Also, everyone else who follows Arsenal gets that notification saying, Tim has just had a video, Tim has just been featured by Arsenal. Check out what he's got to say. So now all the other Arsenal fans have seen the main Arsenal video but haven't responded to it because they didn't feel confident enough to, but seen my video and seen that I've been featured. So it's driving traffic to my video, which monetizes it for the club. And also means that they're now people are now engaging with my posts. So people Arsenal, let's say they've got their first conversation, the first layer of the conversation gets 10 like 10 10 comments. They feature two of those. Those 10 people then respond to those. And then they feature from that. And it just ends up in this massive web of fans communicating with each other, all been sparked off by, by a lot of catalysts from Arsenal. And then just to elevate this, this is all exciting, by the way, but again, I'm trying to go through the target audiences. We've, got, we've talked about the fans, talked about content creators. I want to then talk about the athletes, stating the obvious, but I know you've mentioned already, you've got Roberto Carlos, you know, as an investor, you've got Gilberto Silva involved. Like, my, my question is, like, how will it benefit the athletes' point of view? And it's not just footballers, by the way. I assume it's, for all athletes, is that correct? Just to clarify. Yeah, and we're going to be going into music in the new year as well with some big artists. So I think music could be the big one for us. So imagine it being a collaboration. So let's say a hip a massive hip hop producer said, I've come up with a trap, I need someone to sing or, or rap over the top of it. You can download it and upload you singing or rapping on the top of it. Maybe you're on Spotify, got a record deal. Uh, or the other way around, saying I've got this, I've got um I've got this me singing, I need someone to build me a track. You can download the the, the acapella singing person singing. Um, and they can respond with their own track behind it. So that's, anyway, moving on from that. But what's it going to mean for the athletes? It means they're going to get free from use. They can post and engage with their fans now. Uh, it's obviously another revenue model for them as well. Um, but it means they, can, they, they don't have to post every single day. They can just post stuff that, pe- the stuff that fans want to see. Isn't uh, well-groomed social posts from an agency, which most of these big players have. They don't, they're not interested in that. That's why the... Amateur footballers get big followers because it's real, or the young, sorry, the younger players get decent followers because they're real. They don't have a big agency posting stuff for them, uh, and it's not all orchestrated. And I think we've probably seen it where agency have posted the same video or the same caption for multiple players. So our platform is all about behind the scenes, organic, real stuff where fans can engage with people at the training ground or what they're having for breakfast or when they're out with their mates or whatever. It's about seeing the true side of an athlete and it's true exposure to them and then true engagement. Awesome. So I hope if you're an athlete listening in, there you go. And ju- <laughs> ju- just from a final standpoint, like what is the end goal with regards to Striver? Like I know this is just launched, but what's the, I know you talk about music industry, but we won't go into different industry sectors involved, but what's your goal as an organization with this new social media platform? I think it's to make positive change culturally, not just online, but, but, but improve everyone's life a little bit. So one of the things I'm passionate about is obviously mental health, but also there's nothing more 
sadder to see than a broken soul. And I tell my kids this, and and uh, and his, his friends. Everyone in the world is the best in the world at something. And the reason why you go to school and try new things is to find out what you what you are the best in the world at. Try new things, learn new things. And our platform is hopefully the opportunity to give people the confidence to be able to do that. And then nowadays you can have a career in anything. Look at the content you get on YouTube. You get people playing with well, my son, my middle son is um, obsessed with sea creatures. And I just this morning I saw a grown man digging up um, fish in a, in a sand pit in a public playground. And he's got like 10 million views. He's making a career out of this. Nowadays, you can make a career out of anything. To find that one thing that you're the best in the world at. And that's one of my passions. And just finally with the app, because I know it's social media world and we've got Twitter that's taken on from Elon Musk and stuff. And the biggest thing that's talked about now, because it's like a different world, is this word data. What I loved about first conversation is like the data aspect of the app, because I think that's one reason, but this is my opinion here, why other social media platforms haven't done this issue of this hate abuse is because they can keep most of the data so and use it for their own terms, the back end. So I hope you don't mind me going this angle, but I think it's quite important because I want people to feel comfortable, excited like I am using your app. But could you just share, like, if you can, to the best of your ability, the data side of things? Um, well, firstly, I'll come back to, I will, but I'll say, firstly, the thing you've said about that's why they don't want to do it. The reason they don't want to, to stop hating it is because 70% of social media traffic is, is abuse, is is negative. But so from a data side of things, one of the things that we believe is that we're, we're a platform. We, you know, you, they're your fans, they're Man United fans. Man United fans cultivate and fans love Man United. They don't love Man United on LinkedIn. They don't love Man United on Instagram. They love Man United. And Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever is a vehicle to get exposure to their to their team. We totally get that. So your fans are just users on our platform, but they're your fans. So you get the data on the fans. You don't use the data for retargeting um, adverts, which you can do on social media on other platforms where you don't own the data and you can't get hold of that data. You could just retarget. We give you the data. I think this this is a game changer in itself, but. It, it is no, it is. It's the right so, for me. It's the ethical <laughs> right thing uh, to do. But I hope now you've got a better understanding of the Striver app. And another reason why I had to do the sort of bonus podcast because it's huge change. And sorry, oh, carry on. One, one carry thing on. We, we didn't mention. So it's all going to give me saying that engaging the fans is important. Um, we've got that slide. I don't know if you remember. We spoke to you about the slide comparing uh, a premier a case study between the Premier League player one month before us, yes, and one month after us. So. We can are you obviously listening to me now, so I'll do my best to paint a, a virtual picture for you. So one month this player, um, before using us, posted eight times on social media um, and eight stories, I think, in the space of a month. And from memory, I think he got six million impressions that month. Um, his he got 600,000 pieces of engagement, which is a comment or a like. Um, uh, his, his social audience grew organically by 15% and his engagement grew by 18%. So that's where the benchmark was. Six million, six million impressions, 600,000 pieces of, um, pieces of uh, engagement. The one month he did with us where he posted one challenge and eight responses of his fans, he went from six million impressions to 57.5 million impressions. His engagement grew from 662,000 to 4.1 million. So his engagement rocketed as well, purely by posting content created by the fans. Um, his social audience grew by 46% and his social engagement grew by 243%. So it goes to show, the figures show that 
It's not just Tim's got a fun idea. Engaging with your fans has got to be the future for your business. It has to be. And look at the success from this. Look at the success from just listening to the fans again. Look at my fans. Look how amazing they are. Well, honestly, I could ask more questions like your ideas of doing it the right way. But just to be clear, I know that was a, a footballer. Is that correct? Just to be, just to put the Premier League um, player, um, a part, but, a bit part Premier League player. But this could still have the impact for being a content creator. I just want to paint that, or anybody on the platform. Just to be clear, anybody can yeah. achieve growth. That's my exactly. point. So, and, and I think there's people out there that are probably saying, "Well, how big was his audience? You know, if he had ten people, he had ten followers." You, you—that's you just you just basically you've gone up to twenty followers. His audience was nearly a million at the time across social. But for that person with ten, if they got featured, which is that secret thing you've shared on here, different ball game. Just to be clear, I assume that influences engagement too. Absolutely. Well, that's part of the whole part of it. So we've had actually had it before with True Challenge. So we've actually had it before. We've helped create an influencer. So we had a golfing challenge in the days of True Challenge. Um, with a, a guy called Hole in One Trick Shots, who was doing massive things on social media and was a great guy and wanted to do things to engage with his fans. Uh, and his first ever challenge that's got two million views in like a week. Um, and the winner of that challenge has now gone on to be an influencer themselves. So we've helped that guy. Listen, this kid is called GM Golf, I think, is his TikTok and Twitter and everything. Go and check him out. He does unbelievable golf trick shots. But he won our, ch- our, our golf challenge and that helped him, I think. But let's, let's not try and take success away from this kid. Garrett is his name. His success on social platforms becoming an influence is his talent and hard work. We just help put him in the shop window a little bit. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You, you provide the platform, you know, not, not social media platform, just the opportunity. And that's what social media is about. It's leveraging, but also providing that chance to shine our talent. So I've really enjoyed this conversation. You've got me well out of my comfort zone because... Being a content creator, I'm always about consistency, but it does drive me nuts when there's this negativity element, which we've discussed. But Tim, going back to you now with regards to your career in general, like what have you enjoyed with this process of this app, looking back right at this moment before really launching to the world? Like, I'm just curious. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of ripping up social media and starting again. It's basically what we're trying to do. You know, we've learned in the way that True Challenge has evolved into Striver, social media was started 18 years ago. And we've said they're all the same metrics, views, followers, and likes is the most important bit. It's how it's um, presented to you is different. So we've, I've really enjoyed just going, do you know what? If we're going to make a change, let's, let's change everything. And let's put, a, put together a platform that is the right thing, for the, with the right intentions for the right goals. And I think that's been the most interesting thing with me, just literally going, do you know what? Because with True Challenge, we're like, well, it's not really done like that. You've got to have likes, and we've got to have share, and we've got to have this. And this time we've gone, actually, you don't. Let's put things that are important to the um, clubs, the players, the fans. More importantly, let's do this in order. The fans, the athletes, and the clubs. That's the order of priority for us. Let's put them in place that are right for the right reasons. And I'm going to embed that mental health bit because we haven't even mentioned that. There's, Could you just mention about there's 15-second slots for mental health training? Sorry, this is good. I've got even that point, <laughs> which is crucial. No, we we went off on a tangent, didn't we? As you can, if there was any more evidence that I've got ADHD, there's any more evidence that I've got ADHD than this this podcast and the previous one. Um, so yes, yeah, so the mental health aspect. But um, so we're looking to do th- loads of things in that aspect. So the platform will be turned off between eight pm and eight am 
Um, if you're under 16, removing a huge amount of anxiety from, from young people about being the last to see a TikTok or anything like this. So we're removing that. There's no direct messaging, so you can't abuse people direct mess through direct messages. But then we're slowly implementing what we call mental fitness exercises. We're not saying mental health because there's a negative stigma to it. What we're saying is that mental fitness is what we help with. And mental fitness is as important as your physical fitness. You know, you practice your free kicks, you practice your putting, you practice your chipping, you practice, you run and keep fit uh, aerobically. Your mental fitness is just as important. So what we're doing with that is the first version, um, the first version of the app, you get videos dropped into your feed, which is from Gilberto Silva and Roberto Carlos and a few other people saying, look, mental fitness was hugely important to me when I played. And one of Gilberto's is, I think it's, when I had to take a pressure penalty, I'd put the ball on the spot, step back six places, my left chin pad, my left sock, my right chin pad, my right sock, took three deep breaths, and I was ready to perform a take the penalty. It's putting things in the place like this to show that there's uh, athletes do it. The following version of the app, which will be released in a couple of months, um, once a week, you'll be dropped in a 15-second mental fitness exercise to do, which could be anything from a breathing exercise to listen to some loud music. But they're all short, tiny videos for about an exercise that lasts about 15 seconds but have been designed to immediately impact your mental health or your mental fitness and it could be that you're feeling good and you're having a good day and this just uh, um, builds resilience or you're having a bit of a crap day and it sort of snaps you out of it yeah all, all, all i was saying is in the psychology world it, that is the term you're snapping out of that state of mind um and then it in regards to the work world, it leads to flow state. You're going back to that activity. So going back to the penalty. So I'm a bit geeking out on flow state at the moment just because I'm trying to get in the zone in the way I work. But like Gilberto with the pull and the socks, you're in that flow state of performance. So that's another topic, by the way. But with mental fitness, it's so important. Back, I've really enjoyed this conversation and I hope the listeners have seen why I had it at Tim back on. Um, this isn't for my, I think Tim knows this well, knowing me for a while now, this show isn't just about getting listeners for the sake of listeners. It's actually, it's been an educational tool. That was my vision with my podcast back seven years ago. So Tim, I want to just, I have got one more question, but I want the listeners to understand that we want this to really create change um, it, it, as a social media from a habit standpoint. But I like to finish with an inspirational question though. Like what three tips would you give to listener right now to be a better problem solver? Like, what would they be? I guess it's really understanding what the problem is you're trying to solve and what's the reason behind it. Because it might well be that the problem is one thing, but actually you need to find the root cause of what the problem is. And then also surround... So that's the first thing, is actually understand the problem. Then I'm, so then the second thing is to, to try and... What are you trying to gain from that? Why are you trying to fix it? And what, what is it you want to turn it into? Um, and then the third one... It's just trust yourself and surround well, there'll be two more. So trust yourself and surround yourself with people that aren't the same as you. So me and so my um developments in the last couple of weeks of ADHD, I surround myself with calm people because you can't have too many people like me running around the office because nothing will get done. And in fact, my favorite people to work with are calm people that don't run a hundred miles an hour like me. And then finally, I've got to even say, when is launch? Like roughly, like just for people to go to, like where is the place to go? right now two weeks six two weeks all right two so weeks, i'd say yeah but check follow us on, on all the social channels where are they uh, there's updates in there there's some um they're just official striver i think across the board and you'll see some clips of me and gilberto talking at web summit last week and how can people interact with you um linkedin is probably the best one it's tim chase on linkedin and look for the founder of striver um 
and yeah, if I can help anyone out, or if you're a content creator and want to hear a bit more information about us, we're, we're doing a um, first movers or first bunch of creators that we're supported. So it's all about collaboration. So we'll give you access to all of our athletes. So Roberto, Carlos, Gilberto, Silva, to help to reward you and encourage you to be coming onto the platform. If you're a journalist, we'll give you access to them as long as you post content on the platform. So we're trying to help everybody out together. Amazing. To all the listeners listening in, all those links will be on with regards to the show notes of this podcast chat. Tim, it's been a joy, as always, chatting with you. Thank you very much. No worries. What a refreshing conversation. And I hope to you an impactful podcast. And I'm so glad I've made it a bonus episode. And can I just say again, thank you for listening. It's very rare I allow rude language on my podcast. It is explicit, but I'm mindful that we all attract to rude language differently. Even the disturbing examples that Tim shared about the dark side on social media and how it him as a father and with his children and then children in general. For me, it's just to share a different conversation of, should we say, the real dark side of social media, which we see the positives, but we don't really highlight the negatives in a learning environment. So again, thank you for listening. Apologies for the rude language. And most importantly, I wanted Tim to be real to you. And that's how we should be, is being ourselves, but being mindful of others. So I'm being mindful here just to share that this content is explicit with regards to this podcast episode, but with regards to the main topic of, you know, how we get rid of these hate comments, engagements on social media, I hope this podcast has educated you, but also shared the power of what Tim's doing with his team behind the scenes. Like for me, there's a long way to go, but like anything, there needs to be a starting point. So from a startup standpoint, from a more sports career development perspective, I really have enjoyed that conversation from podcast number one with Tim, which is all about true challenge and also his working relationship um, and building trust with athletes like Gilberto Silva. It's worth a listen because then you'll get the picture of Tim's journey even more. And that's why I really admire Tim because he's just himself, but with a real vision and real direction and making positive change like Starting social media platforms is so tough. Like Tim said, it's we're in a world of not just competition, but with people's attention. And I hope with the kudos method, with regards to rewarding people by posting less, um, finally, where athletes feel safe without any abuse because of the AI system. There's just so many cool positives, which that's why I had to do this podcast, um, not just for a PR perspective, I mean educational standpoint and actually changing this sort of movement of using social media as a tool. And then finally, which I can't wait to experience, is those mental strength training sessions, uh, those 15 seconds where it can uplift your day, which just sounds super cool. So I really do hope you've learned the importance of why we need to highlight the issue of hate on social media for athletes or human beings in general, by the way but also that there can be a solution with such a big problem, a social problem. But from a sports career development standpoint, the one thing I want to share as a reminder is focus on being a problem solver because that's how it creates opportunities for yourself in the sports industry and life in general. So on that note, really apply that, what Tim shared right at the end, to your sports career development now and make it happen. 
Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Tim said, to be a problem solver, know the problem you're trying to solve. Then what you're trying to gain from solving that problem. Trust yourself and surround yourself with people 